Greetings and welcome to the ACC Now podcast. I am C.L. Brown, the Raleigh News and Observer, UNC beat writer, and I'm joined here with Luke DeCock, the News and Observer columnist. What's going on, Luke? It's game time. Coast to coast. (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. You are with Duke out in San Francisco. I'm up here in the city of brotherly love with the Tar Heels, and uh, we have a special guest related directly to Philadelphia and North Carolina from the, the history of this program. Sam Perkins will join me to talk about the 1981 NCAA title they lost here in Philadelphia to Indiana, the 40th anniversary of the 82 title that they won. And we, we went off on a side road talking about him coaching his daughter and, and things like that. Hope you will enjoy the interview. But first, Luke, let's talk about the here and now of uh, Carolina and UCLA. What are your thoughts on this game coming up? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's weird to say this, but I feel like it's going to come down probably to shot selection because like, if you look at the course of this tournament, UCLA has taken a ton of bad shots, but they can make them. Um, they're capable of doing that, Johnny Juzang in particular. And Carolina, I think one of the big developments in Carolina over the last month or so uh, has been that the Tar Heels' shot selection has dramatically improved. Uh, and, you know, not just, you know, sort of famously Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, but, you know, I think Brady Mannix taking better shots. I think they're doing a better job of getting the ball to Armando Baycott than they were at times during the season. Now, some of that is because when you take better shots on the perimeter, you know, it does open things up inside for, for, for Baycott and, and others. But, you know, Leaky Black, uh, Leaky Black went through a period of time where he was, you know, kind of started hitting a few threes and started taking more maybe than, than he should, given the shooting, the way the shooting talent spread around on this team. But it's going to be interesting to see whether UNC's defense sort of mentally as much as anything can handle sort of playing good defense and having UCLA make shots on you because they'll do that. Uh, because I also feel like, and, and you may disagree or not, but over the past month, it feels to me like a lot of UNC's offenses flowed from its defense. That's a famous sort of Coach K-ism about, you know, your offense will flow from your defense. And I feel like UNC's ability to get stops and not just, you know, have opponents come down and score on them with such ease as was happening early in the year um, has helped UNC find its its foundation on offense over the last month. So that, that to me, is kind of the area where it feels like this is uh, – this game is kind of hanging in the balance. Luke, are are you allowed to use a Coach K-ism on a North Carolina team? I'm just checking the rules here. <laughs> I mean, it's the ACC Now podcast. I mean, it's not like I said it was, you know, UNC almost blowing the game to Baylor was, you know, literally amazing. Um, so, no, I'm, I, I think we have to acknowledge that we won't have him to kick around anymore pretty soon. And, yeah. You know, unless he decides to unretire because it's, he wants to do this again. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, um, you and I mean UCLA I almost called them UNLV. UCLA was testing out the ankle. It's it's the most watched ankle in Philadelphia right now of Jaime Jaquez, um, uh, their talented for, forward slash guard six seven junior who who had really been coming on strong until he got injured. Um, against St. Mary's. I, I mean, from the looks of it, he's going to play. It's it's really just a matter of what kind of pain is he really in and how effective he will be. But I, I don't think it's a thing where 
uh, game time, he's going to be scratched from the lineup. So uh, I imagine UCLA will trot out their regular starters, um, and we'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think it can come down to uh, the the fact that UCLA likes to play small-ish. It's it's not you know a bunch of six three guys running around. They got decent size for for four guard offense with a couple of six seven guys, but. Um, but still, Brady Manick is going to get that shot off <laughs> being the stretch four in this operation. So uh, I think it's going to come down to that. Can can they make Brady guard? You know, will, will they make it more to their advantage, bringing Brady on the perimeter and driving him maybe? Or is his three-point shot just going to be raining um, over the top of shorter guys trying to guard him? So, doesn't the, the Hawkwood thing give you Joel Berry flashback? Oh, for sure. <laughs> to America's most important pair of ankles in 2017. Exactly. Like that's all we talked about in, in Greenville and, and in Memphis. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, UNC has dealt with some of this before or in the past. You know, when in the Roy years, there was always that sort of tug and pull between him insisting on playing two back-to-the-basket big men and, and other teams that were going five out or 4-1 or, or whatever it's obviously very different with Manic and his skill set. I mean, I think what UCLA will try to do, what most teams try to do on the offensive end is try to put Manic in, in situations where he has a hard time guarding guys off the bounce, um, you know, with, 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 with pick and rolls and, and whatever, just try to get that switch onto a smaller, quicker guy and then drive him. And I think Baycott's ability to defend the rim and, and, and Leaky Black's ability, not just to shut down his man, which he can obviously do, uh, with with some ease sometimes, but actually, you know, to to help on some of those drives, especially if it's Manic Sky getting beat, um, you know, that's going to be an interesting challenge for UNC. The other part of that is, you know, UNC for all of it got about three years of tournament experience in the last ten minutes against Baylor, but you know, UCLA is a team that went to the Final Four last year as an eleven seed. They were in kind of the position that UNC is in now where nobody gave them a chance. And it's this power program, blue blood, that's having not a down year, but isn't up to its usual standard. Now the, the, that scenario is kind of flipped. And I think if any, anybody, any four seeds probably equipped to handle that or know what UNC is going through, it's UCLA. So my question for UNC is the same as it is always. You know, the Tar Heels have a hard time standing prosperity sometimes or have this season. Um, not as bad as Duke in that regard, uh, but but you know, will they feel like they that things are easy now? Because UCLA is not a team that's going to be easily pushed around. It's a veteran team. It's got a lot of skill. It's got older guys. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting matchup. Yeah. Well, it was funny. Uh, Nick Cronin was actually asked that in his press conference, um, the head coach of UCLA, if if he felt like there was kind of a comparison between what they did last year in their run to the final four as, as an 11 seed and what Carolina is doing, you know, now as, as this eight seed. And one of the similarities he basically said was it, it, it's kind of like, it just took them a while to find their rhythm last season. And he felt like, you know, Carolina is, is similar in that vein um, that early on when they were supposed to play each other in December, you know, that was a different team, <laughs> a totally different team than, than what they are now. So it will be interesting. We we have the, the late, late tip. <laughs> I'm just hoping Purdue and St. Peter's, you know, there's no shenanigans. <laughs> we start the game at a reasonable time. 
well, I forgot that fast, Luke. Um, did you have a story to plug? I don't really. We, uh, I was just going to mention to, to lead into Sam Perkins here before the ACC tournament in Brooklyn this year. He was on our, uh, our all Brooklyn ACC first team with, uh, Lorenzo Charles and Billy Cunningham and uh, Charlie Davis at Wake and Albert King at Maryland. So, you know, I, I, the, we talk about what New York and Frank McGuire and all that have done for the ACC over the years. I think the borough of Brooklyn and whether or not we think the tournament should continue going there or not is kind of immaterial. But the borough of Brooklyn, Brooklyn itself has given us some, some pretty great ACC players. And, and the Brooklynite Pete Gillen's argument was, Brooklyn's one of those places that looks at basketball the way the ACC does. And if you grow up there, you want to play in a conference that feels that way. And Sam Perkins certainly, you know, brought something to the ACC from, from Brooklyn. And, and uh, I'm excited to, to hear what he has to say. And with that, the next voices you will hear are C.L. Brown, myself, interviewing Sam Perkins, the former Tar Heel great. Carolina playing in Philadelphia um, mm-hmm. this weekend, and you also played in Philadelphia right. Final Four and National Championship. What, what do you remember from that 81 uh, experience? Well, I remember the loss, but at the same time, <laughs> um, there were other things going outside the, um, the uh, I, I guess it was the spectrum at the time. Yeah. And um, Reagan got shot. That's right. And uh, they almost called off the game, but I guess they came to you know the head, the big heads, big wigs came together and decided to keep the games on. But for a minute there, the games, from, from what I understood, who was in the locker room, and they were discussing whether to uh, make this a. Uh, I mean, he 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 was okay. So with that said, I believe that they said, well, you know, let the games happen, and so um, it was a moment where we could have been shut down for a minute just because or delayed. I mean, we had to, it would have messed up the whole, you know, format of Final Four, I guess, in a sense, for a minute. But I remember the time also on the court, you know, Isaiah Thomas took over in the second half, and we, pre- we played a pretty good first half. But the second half, we just, uh, they, they boxed us in, and we couldn't, we couldn't really do much as we were, we were planning on to. Yeah. So, um, did you guys have any say, like, you know, as players? Was was there any, hey, we want to play, or hey, why don't we, we don't want to play this right now, or? Well, since I was a freshman, no, I didn't have any, <laughs> I didn't have any say, but maybe the captains at the time, and, and it was uh, Al Wood at the time, Jimmy Black, um, probably conversed with uh, Dean Smith at the time, and, uh, I think that they told us what was going on, and I believe that the committee, the NCAA committee and the Final Four uh, committee all decided to keep the game on. So, but, you know, that's that's how it went because I believe somebody got shot, but it wasn't enough to cancel the games and things like that. that, like that. Yeah. Right, will you be in Philly on Friday? I mean, for- I, I wish I could. I mean, um, when I heard Philly, it brought back those memories, like I was just explaining. But I got I got AAU duties. I got a daughter that's oh, okay. she's got a schedule on her own, so yeah. I'm limited again. 
yeah. Are, are you coaching or just? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. wow. How, how old is she? She's 16. She's a teenager. Uh, so she's on a AAU team here in Texas. Is does she take after your playing style in in, in any way, or she's on? Well, no. I, I I was afraid to say that, but there was a guy, there was a there was a parent in the um, in the audience, and he has girls too. She played against them. Long story short, he was saying that she she reminds me of me, or I remind him of her. You know, in a sense where she has this this quiet quiet game, and you wouldn't know she had fifteen or you know sixteen points and. So she does have similarities um, as I was growing up, and I see it, you know, and I'm trying to hold all my excitement in because she's doing a very good job. She learned, she's learning as she goes. She stumbled, failed, picked herself back up, and now she's become a uh, shooter and a scorer. So, um, and just like me, I had to shoot threes. She's doing the same thing. That's awesome. What, what's yeah. her name? Maria. Perkins. Maria, okay. So uh, uh, the colleges are already calling, I'm assuming? Yeah, they are. Uh, she had a few. She played last year. She uh, got noticed. And that's when everything started taking off. And then ever since then, they've been calling to check on her to see how she's doing. The same, you know, the same situation with everybody else. But um, she was excited when she got her first, um, first letter. And she went to a college visit and she had a great time because she saw some of her other teammates and friends and players who played against they all got together and, and they got now some type of a relationship on Snapchat group me and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well I also wanted to ask you about 1982 and mm-hmm. and this being the 40th anniversary of, of that championship team uh, and game. Uh, what, what are kind of your favorite memories of of uh, winning in New Orleans. Well, to to sum that up, it, it, that year was man, it was the craziest year because you, as we just know, as we know, we lost the previous year, and to get back, go back again, back to back, was a feat for Coach Smith and the players on that team. And what I remember is all the rounds. I mean, the craziest rounds from Alabama to. Uh, uh, our first game, I guess it was uh, William and Mary, somebody like that. I can't remember, but it was a tough game. But that for that sacrifice and that year to come back uh, to get to the 80, 82 Final Four was uh, was a feat because the Final Four teams, Houston, Houston uh, Georgetown, uh, Louisville and us, it was it was remarkable too that we had a uh, a ride like that, and to be in the final game again, we we didn't want to stumble again. But uh, I just remember New Orleans that that Superdome was packed. They said it was like a half a mile from the court to the to the last uh, seat up up top, and so the people were jammed in there. I think they had like what sixty five thousand. I can't remember, but something crazy, it's a crazy number. And all I saw was a, uh, a sea of Carolina blue, and everybody else was red because Houston and Louisville and everybody else, everybody else was red. So, yeah. Did uh, did 
the the final shot or the you know Jordan making that game winner. Um, did you know at that time you have any inclination that Jordan would take off in the way he did? Like like even even to the extent of okay, this guy might be a pro one day. Like not even thinking of how he ended up, but just you know he's gonna be all right. Well, you know it's so hard to think ahead in college because we're all all kids. All we're thinking about is the game, the next game. But we knew he was special. But, you know, on our minds, we weren't thinking about um, pros. Only one probably thought about pros was James Worth. Yeah. Because he, he had the ability to do what he did, and he was a junior. And I, I heard hearing, you know, the word rumors were going around saying he, was, he might leave his junior year if he, he might be the number one pick. That's all we heard, rumors. But uh, as for Jordan, he came in and uh, at practice, you know, wagging his tongue. And we kept saying he's going to fight it. And he <laughs> did it. Somebody hit him and it was out. And so I'm sure he's got a taste of that. But he was he was kind of un- uncanny with his moves. You know, he was jumping high and hanging in the air on some, uh, on some practices and when he went baseline. But... All I remember is that we had a team, and um, we were glad to have him. But the nucleus around us, with our leadership with Jimmy Black and Matt Doherty, James, um, we, we were just confident. Our practices were hard. Our practices were like games, but when the game time came, we knew, you know, lock and loaded. We knew everybody where everybody's going to be. And precise, we knew each other's mannerisms, and that's how we played, got through that through the college, uh, college career. Yeah. Do you, uh, have you ever watched that game since you played in it against Georgetown championship? Oh, yeah, I've watched it. I, I have it on here somewhere around here. Um, it's on, uh, well, since it, you know, wasn't DVDs back then, um, somehow it got trans, transposed to uh, CD or DVD now. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I put it on for my, uh, daughter and I have three daughters and um, they watch it because they're all sports enthusiasts and two of them play volleyball but they everybody's they we went so I took them to a, I took them to an all-star game and they for the life of me they did not know why people are calling me like why are they talking about you why are they you know as you pass people by so I had to show them why they might be calling my name. Why is that man calling your name? And I was like, I, I don't know. Just keep walking. And why are you signing autographs? And so they were so little, they didn't understand. So so I put it on for them. And now that they know this, now they eating up all the, the all the rewards and group gratuity off their names now. They know, you know, first class seats sometimes. Now they eat you know, they, they tease it now, so now they, they don't even ask questions. They just go ahead and take take whatever's offered to gratuity. That's how it should be, though, right? Yeah, they do it. They do it sometimes. Yeah. Well, uh, did you get a chance to watch Carolina on Saturday against Baylor? Did I? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, it was two different halves. And um, daughters, are, they actually now all into Carolina. And uh, I just couldn't believe how the game was going to turn 
I knew it was going to be close because Baylor, since I live in, you know, Texas, I knew it wasn't going to be a, just a blowout. But things happen when, when they got, when my man got ejected. It just turned, turned, it, it just turned. The game just turned in favor of Baylor. Um, we had to hold on. And the calls were kind of questionable because the media was out there, social media, that was saying, like, these, these referees are now looking at Baylor, you know, a lot. Anything that went out of bounds, it was Baylor. Anything that off the fingertips, it was Baylor. So it, it was for a moment crushing, but uh, they held on. They, you know, persevered through some of the things that they had to go through. Yeah. Are, are you superstitious at all? Like while you're watching the game, you know, no. you have to sit in the same place and stuff like that. Man, come on, man. <laughs> it's going to happen. They're going to win or lose if I wake up or not, you know, or, or miss a, miss a minute or a time out or whatever. It's, just, I don't, I don't, some people are. I mean, I assume they are, but I'll, all I remember is when people saying that they tore up their couches when the games are like this when I was back in school. The sofa was torn up. Uh, yeah, they sit in the same place. They get ready to prepare the meals and, you know, whatever. But um, that's how Carolina is. I mean, when they play Duke, especially, it's always a, um, you sit down and prepare yourself. You don't want to miss a minute of it. And they had, they had a bad loss against them this year, but they made up for it um, a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, right at, at Cameron Stadium, so. Yeah, did you watch that one live too? No doubt. You, do you pretty much watch every game you can? I watch when I can. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah, the big ones. I mean, I've watched some of them when they're, they're playing uh, maybe a half. when They got the game when they play against somebody, uh, a mid-major, make sure they get off to a good start so there wouldn't be no Wofford you know, loss again or something like that. But uh, when it comes to Duke, because I have Duke, Friends, actually, the players, Johnny Dawkins or somebody like that, calling me, or or I have a frat brother who's a I, I don't know for the life of me why he loves Duke, but we go at it all the time. So he got me on the first one, and then I got him on the second one. So he was very quiet <laughs> on that second one. So I mean, it's, it's just how that how it goes. We watch all the time when we can. Yeah. So um, just kind of the the journey this season for this team. I mean, they, they started off with some bad losses against marquee opponents. You know, the 17 against Tennessee, 29 against Kentucky, um, kind of struggling. But now it seems they hit their stride. Is is what they've been able to do at all a surprise, you know, kind of given where they were earlier in the year? Well, I guess it translates the same thing with uh, how everything went when Hubert Davis came on because Hubert Davis was feeling them out as a head coach and they were feeling him out, you know, trying to figure out what his style would be like because they've been used to uh, Coach Williams for quite some time now. But I think as time went on, they started to gel and get to know themselves a lot. Um, I think those early losses, they keep saying early losses help you, you know, during during the stretch and find your, you, you find yourself in those losses. And I think the team had gradually started playing with each other. Um, they knew each other's mannerisms, like I say, and, uh, and they gained more confidence. So as they won, as they kept winning, 
and then and then they had some bump breaks, but through all that adversity, um, they finally saw. I, I mean, it's, it's a lot of first times in the in the NCAs on that team, so they're playing with heart and playing with a, a desire to 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 win, and they adjust as they go on. I'm, I'm glad that they adjusted as. Um, uh, through these wins and losses, but they still have a hill to climb. And, uh, but they've been playing exceptionally well, and uh, it was a little a little setback because they now Team C saw you know saw their weaknesses in some in some cases, like pressing a little bit when they full court press. So I'm sure uh, Hubert Davis will adjust to some of the things that they that didn't work for them in the long in, uh, in the last game. But I got to give it to him. He's done a great job, and uh, everybody was speculating on him at one point. But I think you know he's been mentored by Roy Williams and the tradition of Carolina, and as a player at Carolina, he knows what it takes, and he's he's good for that for the uh, for that position. Yeah, uh, you think they can get these two wins to get to New Orleans? Well, um, I was just saying that uh, they got UCLA. And UCLA and Carolina has always been somewhat of a uh, of, of a game because they have history there, uh, going back to John Wooden and uh, Dean Smith. So uh, it's two old had two old traditional teams with uh, a new face, and uh, UCLA is strong as well. They they kind of mirror each other in a sense, um, but at the same time, they have to take take one game at a time, and I think Hubert is ready. He has to just get them ready to just go ahead and play, uh, regardless. I keep saying that number next to their name, next to their uh, their letters, UNC. doesn't mean nothing right now. It's like you got two more wins to get to the Final Four. So, And, and whoever wins the Purdue and St. Peter's, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, I imagine St. Uh, I, I don't want to discredit St. Peter's because they, they've gotten this far. But Purdue should handle them. Uh, but again, perseverance pays paves on, on you know the the road for you to go a little further. And St. Peter's has done that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one question I got. This is random, but I meant to ask you earlier. So, did you spend the two hundred dollars that Dean Smith sent all the players, or did you have it framed somewhere? No, I still have it. I didn't. Man, come on. I, I didn't. I didn't spend that. That's that's. That was like, I sat down there and thought long and hard about it. Like, I was coming off the road and just checking the mail, like maybe, uh, I remember the night, I was checking the mail like 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning because I had gotten in and I was still, you know, a wide awake off a of, off of, off of trip. And I checked the mail and I was so surprised. I was like, hmm. So, you know, the letter and I opened it up and it was a check from Dean Smith and the, and the, the note said, you know, um, just spend this on your family. I'm just thinking, you know, thank you for everything and blah, blah, blah. And it's $200 to spend you know, on your family. And I was like blown away because the man was so thoughtful before he had dementia. Or somewhere he must have thought that you know all the players or a hundred and some players that he he uh, coached he gave two hundred dollars to, and for a moment I said that's Dean Smith because I mean I almost came to tears because I could not believe it 
that this man was passed away. It's been like five months or so, maybe more. And here you get a check from a man that thought of you to give just to say hello. And, you know, $200. I mean, the amount wasn't, the, it wasn't an amount. It was just more the letter and his, his signature. And, uh, that was the craziest thing. And so I still have that check. So I'm sure some people spent it, but I have it. I don't have it in a frame, but I show my daughters that and they make sure that I preserved it because I had it laying on the desk or something like that. And they were like, no, nah, you put this in a book or something. So, but it, it, it was just, uh, it was just the, the kind of thought. And that, that, that was Dean Smith the, the whole time I was there, the four years I was there. It was an extension of him, um, the, how he, he, he treated his players. Do, do you take anything, as you're coaching your daughter, do you take any kind of Dean Smith-isms that you, you know, uh, present to them, to the team? I think I don't present anything, you know, you know, or I just know how he coached. And he coached hard, but he also was, he screamed at us, but it was to a point to make a point. Um but he always wanted to get to know your players. And so with the girls that I have on my team, I try to get to know them and see what makes them tick, you know. And that's what he did, you know, pretty much. And once you get, you know, you have segments of having um, girls, you know, team up with each other or room with each other differently, you get to, they get to know each other. And that's what he did with us. Um, I, and my roommates, my roommate constantly was James Worthy, but I roomed with another guy named Jay Barlow from the country, and I, you know, and that made it worthwhile to get to know him. So, I mean, he he did things to 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 communicate so that we can all um, have a sense of who we were, you know, because he recruited fifteen different guys from different places, and um, and the same here. You try to let the girls know that it's not just about basketball, but it's also about, you know, being human, um, going through things in life, and they got to know each other, and that makes them closer when they come out and play. Yeah, yeah. Well, great. Well, that's uh, all that I have for you. Um, can't think of anything else. Let's say something else you wanted to add about the team or on location or whatever. No, I, but I, I think the the experience of March Madness, um, you know, it, it makes you grow up through your losses. You know, the, um, I saw a say, I saw something where Tennessee player was bawling his eyes out with uh, Jawan Howard, and uh, you know, for Jawan Howard to you know sit there and try to to sedate him or get him into a, you know, it's okay, you know, you play hard, and sometimes you have to lose, you have to fail to find success, um, Jawan knows that, but just to see, uh, see the opponent who just lost, and, uh, and I, I don't know if they knew each other or not, but if they did, that shows the human side of, of, of basketball, you know, uh, you know, these guys, you know, it means so much to, to a lot of a lot of a lot of guys and, and women. So when they lose, 
it's like you put so much energy in and focus on on one thing, and then when you when you lose, you're just like, what am I gonna, what am I do now? You know, like and, and just at anything, like you just lost your job or something. Be like, damn, I've been I've been with this company for 15, 20 years. What am I doing now? So it, it gives the human side of, of everything, and that that was probably the best thing that came out of the uh, the final uh, the uh, March Madness because it shows that these kids, you know, they give their effort, give put everything into it, and sometimes you fall short, and then you go on and win and learn learn in life that you have to do it again. They know next time what they have to do. Well said. Well, I appreciate your time today, Sam. Well, that will do it for the ACC Now podcast. We hope you enjoyed our sit-down with Sam Perkins. For Luke DeCock, I am C.L. Brown. Click on that subscribe button and come on back and listen to us some more, y'all. Five stars.